0: Good evening. Let's let's put our hands back towards our pastor right now. He's I don't I don't know what's ailing him or what's hurting him, but I I can tell by by looking at him, uh, he's having trouble uh, standing. Uh, so let's let's lift him up. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, CJ's commitment. We thank you for his his uh, his uh, uh, patience and his his work ethic. And Father. Uh, we ask that at this moment in time, you just gird him up in strength. We lift him up, Father, that his body would be whole and come in alignment with the word of God right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let it come in alignment right now that every, everything would come in order, that there would be uh, no pain, and not only no pain, but everything would be uh, fully in alignment uh, by your will and by your uh, awesome power in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep him in prayer this evening as as uh, we move forward, uh, please. It's great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. Uh, you can open your Bibles this evening uh, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. 2 Kings, chapter 5 is where we'll be uh, this evening. And we'll go through a variety of scripture there uh, throughout the... Throughout the message, so well I, I, by by a raise of hands, uh, I'd like to ask you this evening: um, If you are a fan of God, would you lift your hand tonight? Oh, I set you up. A lot of fans. Now let me let me ask you this: If you are a follower of God, would you lift your hand tonight? Amen. I'd like to, I, I set you up for that. Uh, a fan likes God when life is good. A fan likes God when life is good. But a follower obeys God when life is hard. A follower obeys God when life is hard. And today we're going to take a few moments this evening and we're going to look at a very simple and exceedingly difficult concept. And that's Obedience. It's simple because there really aren't any nuances with that. It's either you're obedient or you're not. I'm going to pick on Chelsea just for a second. She's, she's, she's expecting, right, Zion. She's expecting Zion. And she is pregnant. She's not a little bit pregnant. I'm not talking about size or anything like that. I'm saying just as a person, in this case Chelsea, is expecting, you're either pregnant or you're not. You're not sort of or kind of. And in the same way, I want to bring that back around tonight and say we are either obedient or we are not. We're not kind of or sort of obedient. The difficulty becomes... Uh, it's because we're independent, we have a free will to obey or to resist, we have that option. Often our pride leads us to be resistant and rebellious toward God, even though accepting God's plan and enjoying the security of obedience is really far better for us. In the book of Second Kings, there's a story that speaks to all of us. It's a story about a man who had to learn to be obedient, to find a satisfied life, in hard times and that is Naaman a lot of you already know the, the story some of you may not but in 2nd Kings chapter 5 and verse 1 it says that Naaman commander of the army of the king of, his, of Syria was a great man with his master and in a high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria he was a mighty man of valor But he was a leper. But he was a leper. And you know, this is really a story of hope. It's a a story of realization, but it's also a story of obedience. Here's a great man who's reduced to helplessness, and isn't that the way of our world sometimes? We want to believe that if we have just enough stuff, we'll escape maybe our past Limitations, be in control of our present circumstances and, and, and chart a, a future destiny. But life can reduce the greatest, the richest, the most powerful person of influence to helplessness in one single word, in one word. In the days of Naaman, the word was leprosy. That was his word. 500 years ago, it could have been the bubonic plague. A hundred years ago, it could have been tuberculosis. Fifty years ago it could have been polio. Today the word may be cancer. Tomorrow, if we ever figure out how to beat cancer, there'll be another word of some, of some kind. Whatever the word, it doesn't really matter what situation you're in, what um, circumstance you're in, there's a word. That it doesn't matter at a certain point as to whether or not you're the richest, the smartest, the, the, the most uh, influenced, uh, or influencer, whatever that is. That can all come down with a A word. It can turn your world upside down in a matter of a few hours or moments. The fact is that cancer, polio, tuberculosis, the bubonic plague, and leprosy, like all diseases, are a product of evil. Not directly, minded you. But getting sick is not evidence that you've sinned. It's evidence that we're a part of humanity. And that we live, we live under a curse of sin, which is death. But I'm thankful tonight that Jesus came to free us from the curse. From that cursed body of sin and death. That's why he came from heaven to earth. Took on the form of man. Lived among us for 33 years. Then allowed himself to be put to death on an old rugged cross. That was resurrected then he was resurrected to new life by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And by doing this, he forged a path through death for each and every one of us tonight. He cut and hacked away through the jungle of death to live without end, to find this richly satisfying life. And all we need to do is simply obey. Simply obey. Obedience, that's the word our kids cringe Right? Sometimes. Maybe not, well, I, don't, I was going to say maybe not as much anymore. Sometimes. But definitely as younger. So, so, boy, you better obey. Daughter, you better obey. Obedience means doing what you are told, even if you don't understand it. How many times have, have we said, potentially, at times where you've said, do it? Well, why do I got to do it? Because I said. I said so sometimes that works the older they get it, it don't work so good there's got to be a why there's, there's a reason and I think it's good to, to, to share a why you know sometimes it's good to do that but obedience still regardless even if you don't understand the why as we walk through our, our, our Christian life we always don't get the full why on the front end God just says I need you to do this And therefore, we must walk, and we must be obedient. For Naaman, it meant doing something that was very simple, it was easy, and required really nothing demanding at all. He was asked to go dip in, in in the river, a muddy river. It wasn't difficult. There wasn't anything specifically difficult about that. But it also meant giving up control. The real challenge was not the act of the obedience itself. It was the, the fierce pride and the stubborn independence that stood in the way at that time. He might could have stood up and said, well, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, why would I do that? You know, why, why would I, what I, why do I need to do that? But let's take a look again at the story together and observe the lesson. So let's look at verse 3, chapter 5, 2 Kings. and it says, she said to her mistress... Would that my Lord were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. It's a story of hope. And there was a servant girl that worked or, or, and lived within, their, within their, their home. And she says, hey, let me tell you of an experience I have, or let me tell you of something I know, some knowledge I have. There's this guy over here, and if you would go to him, he could cure you of that. That's a story of hope. Everyone's dealing with something challenging in this life. If you aren't, you will. Just give it a little time. And that's not being ugly or being negative. It's, it's just life. You know, we can, we, can go, we can go months and months and months, and things are wonderful and rosy and all that, and then all of a sudden one day, why today? Why would that, that thing or why would that, you know, situation arise today? but we live in a fallen world. When that time does come, you don't need sympathy or empathy. You need hope. This guy needed some hope. He needed something to hold on to. He had, he had this, this disease that, that was a real problem during that time. He needed hope. When Naaman's time came, he was fortunate enough to have a young slave girl in his home who told his wife that there was a prophet in Samaria who could save him from his leprosy. And what she told him, gave him hope. i like to say this. By the way, that is, that is so much a wonderful example of being an evangelist. We've been called. That's simply this. You simply give your testimony about what you've experienced to those who need hope. There, it's all around us. Could be in this place tonight. There's, there's people that need hope. And it simply is going, you know what? I know this guy. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you my story. Let let me tell you what he did for me. And and at that point in time, we become an evangelist. We become a witness for him. What an excellent example. Did this young girl know the impact that her testimony would have? I don't don't really know. Probably not. Yet in sharing what she knew to be true through the experiences of her life, she gave hope to Naaman and, and, and his wife. It all begins with hope. Now there are several there's about three realizations and revelations that, that we want to pick out of this as we go forward. And in Second Kings five chapter chapter five verse five, I think it's the second part of that verse it says, So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Now, today, that 10 changes of clothing may not sound like much. Most of us could walk in our closet and, and look, and, and we could drop 10 pieces of clothes and go, well, I'm not missing anything. But in this time, it was totally different. The first revelation is this, and the realization is this, that money or, or substance is not, not the answer in his story that wasn't the answer he he thought hey i've got this stuff there's this guy over here i'm told he can cure me that gives me some hope but i'm going to take some stuff and i'm going to go buy that i'm going to go i'm going to go give him something for this healing in this story naaman had a lot of money came from his considerable power he was the commander of the army of Syria. he had a, he had one great victory and at that time nothing gives a, a person greater influence or success than on the battlefield, and he'd been rewarded with great, great wealth. Since he was sick, he had heard about that hope of healings, and he brought with him all of this, ten talents of silver, 600 shekels of gold, ten sets of clothes. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of power. Let me, let me give that to you in today's terms. The ten talents of silver would be worth, how much, Belinda, do you think? Just a guess. Shot in the dark. Ten talents 10 of silver. Just any guess. More than a dollar. You're off, just little. hundred and fifty thousand. Hundred and fifty thousand. In today's in today's number. Brother Mitch, six thousand shekels of gold. You're smart enough, you might know this. Oh, that sounded really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm sorry. He's a teacher. And that's why. I, well, you're a te- But you teach music. Oh, I'm not a real teacher. No, you teach music. It has nothing to do with. I'm, I'm going to turn red for a minute. I'm going to turn around and walk back. And I I just thought. I don't think I'm ahead, though. I think I'm in the rears real bad. And I can feel my face getting very red right now. My paw. Uh, we're going to find out how smart he is. 6,000 shekels of gold. What do you think it's worth today, brother? $6,000. You're off just a little. 3.7 million. And today's number. See, he's not very smart either, sister. Sister, he just... (laughs) You can take that off the recording, can't you? (laughs) 3.7. I'm going to have a hard time the rest of the time, I can tell you. Three point seven million, and then there's the clothing. Most people had one set of clothing at that time. That was just just kind of how it was. Two sets of clothing was extravagance, and 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 that most could not afford. But he brought ten. That was, a, was brought as a gift for others. So that, the point the point in all that is, uh, is that teachers are smart, and that <laughs> that he was rich, <laughs> especially music teachers. They're my favorite. <laughs> Does that help any? I'll hear about that again someplace else, I promise you. (laughs) Naaman was a great man. Naaman was a rich man. But even with all the power and the riches of a kingdom, it was not enough. What good is all this stuff? He couldn't enjoy any of it. If If he had this disease... Even though he had the money, he had, the, he had the, the power and all that, what did it matter when he laid his head down at night and didn't have a peace and a comfort and a, and a knowledge of, of that I'm, I am deteriorating right here, right now? He was a leper. Power and money didn't change that simple fact. That leads us to the second realization, and that's the helplessness of man. In verse number 7, it says, that When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and to make alive? That this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So he gets, he gets wind that, hey, you know, this guy Naaman, he's coming. And uh, so what does Naaman do? He, he sends word and goes direct to the king. He doesn't go to the prophet. He just assumes I'm a man of power. I'm a man of stature. I'm a man of wealth. I'm going to go to the to the leader so he must know the leader must know about this this cure and this and this healing so we see as the story progresses they took all his silver his gold the ten changes of clothes asked the king of Israel to heal him of leprosy and that started a a very diplomatic crisis for that King it was a bother he's like I don't understand it first first off I'm not God and, and was he trying to start a fight with me if I can't heal him? And then he's going to come over and start whipping up. Naaman has simply assumed that the, the information received from the servant girl would be widely known by all of, in Israel. And being a man, like I said, who was familiar with the chain of command, he just went to the top. He went to the king, but the king of Israel was not a man of God. The king of Israel tore his clothes, called his advisors, saying, I can't heal this guy. What does he want from me? Is he trying to start a war? He went into full panic mode because he couldn't deliver what was was being asked and what Naaman needed, no matter how much power and how much money there was in the room. It made no difference. There's a limit to what any man can do in the face of trials and circumstances or even death. But I'd like to... That sounds down. That sounds like a real negative. There's a limit to what you or I can do in the face of trials and circumstances and death. But there's a third realization. And we are not and have never been helpless because of this realization, and that is the power of God. 2 Kings 5, verse 8, it says, But when Elisha... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha had heard what had happened in Jerusalem when Naaman had arrived with his request for healing. Elisha heard of the king's panic and anxiety. sent him a word. Just send him on. Send him on to me. He pointed out that he was a prophet of God, and God wanted Naaman to come to him isn't that all God really wants of us he just wants us to come to him isn't that what our father in heaven wants from us yet we often come to him only when we've exhausted all the other options sometimes we look at the the money option we look at the power we look at the uh, you know the the medical option we look at this we look at that and there may be some value in some of those but what should we do? We should first go to the first option. And really our, our, our only option. And that is to our creator. It's our creator. God our creator has all the power and all the ability to heal us. Give us a rich and satisfying life. Now for all time and for eternity. And the story of Naaman shows the secret to finding the passageway to life. Is simply obedience. Simply obedience. And here's what it was. Chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. It says, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Sounded pretty direct. Sounded pretty much, do this and you get that. Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and you shall. You will be restored, and you will be clean. When Naaman showed up at the home of Elisha, he was told to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. You know, not only was the Jordan River not terribly impressive, but Elisha didn't even bother to come out and talk to Naaman directly. I thought that was interesting as, as I studied through that. Elisha just sent his servant out to him. How do you feel like if you, if you, if you come up to, now you've already been through the king, and he's, he's having a panic attack, and then after him, this guy said, no, send him to me, and you don't even see him. It's like the is the, behind the, the deal. You know? It's like, no, go do this. Send somebody out. Do that. Dip yourself seven times. The wealthy and successful commander of the Syrian army comes riding up to Elisha's house with a chariot accompanied by his entourage of servants, personal bodyguards, baggage of all the silver, gold, and clothing, and Elisha did not even look out the window. I think that'd be just a little disappointing to name him. On top of this, it's an obvious insult that the man's servant tells him to take a bath in a muddy river seven times. What good could possibly come from such a silly and weird course of action? Well, I've asked myself that several times in life. Lord, that's a silly and interesting command (laughs) that you've asked. Obedience is often challenging, not because it's difficult. Was there anything difficult... In walking up to, to, to the banks and, and just taking a dip, not at all, nothing. He had a nice chair that would take him there. If he needed help walking down the, the bank, I'm sure that there was his, some entourage there that would just walk out there with him, and here you go, let me help you down. It's not difficult. It's challenging because we must be obedient even when we don't understand. Naaman did not understand what why the why other than saying here's what you need to do and then this will happen it's not surprising that he almost missed out on his healing because he was about to go home when a servants convinced him to go ahead and follow the prophet's commands so he did and when he did he discovered something very important and it's this verse 14 it says so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the jordan According to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Here's what he discovered, that obedience is evidence of faith. Obedience is evidence of faith. I've used this example many times through the last six or seven years in in the talking about faith. And, and doing something that you don't understand and doing something that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, faith is like standing on a diving board over an empty pool. But God tells you to jump. And, my, and, the, and the evidence of faith is this, that says, God, I'm going to jump, and unless you fill the pool, it's my last dive. That is evidence of Faith. As evidence of faith. So he obeyed and went down and dipped himself seven times. Naaman had already decided what the prophet should do, probably on his way there. He probably had a whole lot of scenarios and a lot of different situations going through his mind and saying, this is how I feel like it's going to probably play out with that. He already decided what he should do to be cured before he arrived. He'd already had in his head what was going to happen. Elisha was going to burn some incense, wave his arms over him, say some magical incantation, and Naaman would be healed. But that's not what happened. I used a little liberty with that. But you never know what he had going on through his mind, but I doubt it was go dip in a muddy river. We know that. Elisha didn't come out of his house. Elisha didn't even talk to the man. Elisha just told Naaman what to do if he wanted to be healed, And Naaman, after a moment of hesitation and unbelief, chose to obey. It's important to remember that God is God and we are not. Everybody said. God doesn't always do what we want him to do. In fact, it's fairly rare. Sometimes we forget who is the Lord and who is the submissive. Well, eventually Naaman obeyed. He was cured because he was obedient. Why? Because obedience is evidence of faith. So I want to go back to the original question. Are you a fan? Or are you a follower? Fans like God, followers, obey God. They do so first in salvation, from sin through Jesus, and then in transformed life through the Holy Spirit of God. It's been this way from the first day of the church when Peter stood up the first time and announced what he needed to do to be obedient to God. We're all sick. Maybe not leprosy, maybe not the plague, TB, polio, cancer, but we're all sick because of sin. In Acts 2, 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be saved. God wants me to be saved. And he has provided that way through his Son. It requires our faith. Like Naaman was told to dip himself seven times at the Jordan, we are told to turn away from our sin and be baptized into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's easy to say, on that part, well, that, that's, a, that's an interesting act of obedience, to be baptized. That's interesting. Somebody could say, why, why would I need to do that? Why, why? That's kind of foolish. Why is it important to get all wet? Well, in fact, why doesn't the preacher just say some magical incantation, bless me with some special holy words or something? The answer is that God asks our obedience as a proof of faith in him then we begin to experience the life I'll say it again the answer is that God asks our obedience as proof of our faith in him then we begin to experience the life but obedience is not a one-time event it's a lifetime commitment to the mission and vision that God has for each and every one of us again Fans are fickle. you see ever watch a football game and uh, you, you see the you know fans I know we have a Bama fan in the, in the in the house. We kind of give her a hard time about that a little bit, but uh, uh, she she got some friends on her street that uh, give, give her a little rough time for being an Alabama fan. but you know what? I guarantee you she's probably a little more than a fan based on what I understand. She's probably more of a follower because she probably follows Alabama, regardless of how they, how they do. And I don't really follow football, so I think they're pretty good in general, probably from what I understand. But nevertheless, whether they're winning or whether they're losing, I know Brandy is gonna be supporting Alabama, from what I understand. We'll try to win them over, but I don't think we're going to. <laughs> I don't think we're going to. But the point is this, whether it's raining or it's shining, whether they're winning or they're losing, somebody's screaming and hollering and supporting, right? In the same way, I know that sounds maybe a little facetious, but in the same way, when things are going good in the, in the house of God, there's a lot of people that says, rah, rah, we're here, outstanding. But when it gets hard sometimes, and somebody gets called, hey, I need some help with this, or I need some help with that. Or, hey, let's go out and, and do some, uh, do some uh, servant stuff. All of a sudden, it's, it's, uh, it's it, uh, I'm not a follower at that point. When the time gets tough, they only follow, fans are, are fickle, they only follow when the cost is low and the entertainment is cheap. Followers are committed to the mission of the one they follow. They aren't belie- the early believers weren't fans, they were followers. They were obedient to the Lord and, com- and they were committed to the vision and mission that God had for them. Jesus' mission was and is people. and you can't be committed and not be supportive. God's mission is people. We've been tasked with the word uh, with the work of being that young slave in Naaman's life to the people of our world, regardless of what their word is, regardless of what our word is. The vision of New Song Church is this, to experience God's presence through contemporary worship, relevant preaching, to provide a place where anyone can come and feel at home, to provide opportunities to build relationships, to invest in our future by providing safe, relevant children's ministry, and to restore God's lost sheep and wayward sons and daughters to the Heavenly Father. That is the vision and mission of New Song Church. And in all, that, in all those words, very simply put, let me wrap it back and go, that vision is people. It's the young, it's the old, it's the everybody in between, it's the lost sheep's I need Jesus. Imagine what we could do who we are truly obedient as the, as the body of Christ. Imagine what we can do in our community. I believe we're moving forward in doing that. But it continues to take us all being obedient to the calling that God has on this, not only to the, to the church as a whole, but also to, to this specific body of believers at New Song Church and how we impact our community. We must be obedient to the call that God has for us. We're not just commanded to go to church. We are commanded to be the church. In the days of Naaman, the word was leprosy. 500 years ago, bubonic plague. 100 years ago, it was tuberculosis. 50 years ago, it was polio. Today, uh, cancer or, or anything else you could put in there. But in the lives of those that are around us, in the lives of those that are up and down the streets in our our, our neighborhoods, their word could be lost. Their word could be uh, forgotten. Their word could be um, 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 depressed. Their word could be... It could be anything. But it's our job and it's our calling. It's our our, um, mission. It's our vision to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Would you would you come tonight? I know Pastor wanted to take some time to pray, a little bit of time, and I want what I want to do tonight is, Sister Belinda, uh, plays a little bit for us. Is I simply like to do this. Take the next five, ten minutes, whatever, fifteen minutes, whatever it is. Let's find a place to pray. And I want I want to be very specific about this and this this specific is this God where do I personally me where do I need to be obedient in the body of Christ I'm not asking you to sign up anything on the way out the door but if you need to find someone after God tells you this is where I need to be obedient and sign up It may be, hey, I need to step out of my comfort zone and go speak to somebody on the street if necessary. If somebody I come across in the store, whatever that is. But make it personal tonight. And say, God, how do I need to be obedient? And then when he speaks to you, have enough courage to follow through and be a follower for what he's asked for you and I to do in this place. I'll come back in, in just a little bit, and we'll we'll have a closing prayer. Also lift up your pastor tonight, if you would, as you pray.